Why don't you welcome Kaylee Lewis as she comes. Open her, give her testimony. much for leading this and leading us here. Y'all's leadership is something that inspires me as a peer, and I'm so thankful that I get to watch that. Um, the Blackburn family, thank you so much for allowing us to come here. Um, at this point in my life, I'm from a lot of different places, so I have a couple pastors, um, Brother Frazier in Mississippi, Brother Marcelli in Louisiana, and Brother McKee in Texas, I appreciate their leadership, and I would not be where I am right now without them in my life. So to get right into it, I spent most of my life, for lack of a better word, running from my biological father. I didn't grow up going to church. In fact, I grew up quite the opposite. I grew up in chaos and turmoil. I grew up in a house where my father constantly abused my mom, my brother, and I. And if he wasn't abusing us, he was abusing substances. I spent most of my life in fear of each day. And when I turned around 12 years old, I laid awake one night and I prayed. And I asked God to show me who he was. Because if God is who he says he is, there was so much more for me than what I was living in. It was two years later that my father's election campaign led us to an apostolic church. And I say that's the beginning of my journey. It was in that service where I didn't know quite what I felt, and these people are going kind of crazy, but I felt something, and I had to go back. And it was in those moments where he answered that prayer that I prayed as a 12-year-old little girl in fear and shame and scared it was in those moments where I saw something more than everything that I had been through in that moment it was a few months after that my parents divorce came to be and I thought that was going to be the end they're separating I'm not going to live in his house anymore it's all going to be okay but it turned out to be a pretty uphill battle from that point I spent the entirety of my teenage years in custody battles and being stalked and harassed by the very person I thought was supposed to protect me from my life. It was time after time where we went through judge and judge and a garden ad litem, if you know court lingo, and court-ordered therapists because nobody wanted to deal with our situation. It was in those times where I felt very hopeless and I didn't know what to do, but I remained and I stayed. And I kept going to church, and I showed up every single Sunday and every single Wednesday, and I showed up to prayer, and I showed up by myself. See, I come, I come to church by myself, and that's not to say anything about me, because every single circumstance in my life has pushed against this, and I should not be standing right where I am right now. I am only here because of the grace of God, because he stepped into my life, because he stepped into my situation, and he changed me. We spent those years looking for relief, but it, was, it seemed to fall on deaf ears because of the political pull that he had within the system. 
there were moments that should have broken me, that should have destroyed me. But here I am. I get to stand before all of you. It is such an honor to stand before all of you and to speak life into your situations. I don't know what any of you have been through. I don't know your situation. I don't know. But God knows. God knows, and he will step in, and he can step in, and he does step in, because he stepped in in my life. I am here by pure God-ordained happenstance. There is not a single reason I should be here. In Psalm 55, 16 through 18, we read, As for me, I will call upon the Lord, and the Lord shall save me. Sorry. I shall call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning, and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many against me. We see a betrayed David pleading and speaking to God, but speaking in faith, claiming that no matter what situation I go through, no matter what happens, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. I just want to encourage every single one of you in this room, no matter who you are, no matter what you have been through, it does not matter. It does not matter that situation. It does not matter that circumstance because we serve a God that is so much greater than every single thing that we see. Praise the Lord, everybody. If we could just take the opportunity to just stand and begin to lift our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. That was a beautiful testimony. And if we could just just take this time to reflect on our own lives. And, you know, if it was not for Jesus, we would not be here today. We're all here because of his goodness, because of his mercy. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. So I would like to just start off by introducing myself. I'm John King. I from Urshan College, uh, originally from Suffolk, Virginia. And I would like to also give honor to Pastor Blackburn and his family. We are so thankful for the opportunity to be here. And I would also, yes, amen, amen. I would like to give honor to you, Cross Church. We are so excited to be with all of you. This is a privilege. We do not take it lightly. And I would like to give honor to, uh, to back home to my pastor, Pastor Lane, and his family and give honor to Luke and Grace. Thank you again for inviting myself and the team out in Jesus' name. So if we could remain standing for the word, I'm going to be opening in Mark chapter 14, verse 1 through 9, and I will be reading out of the New King James Version. After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by chicory and put him to death and they're referring to Jesus but they said not during the feast lest there be an uproar of the people and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper as he sat at the table a woman came having an alabaster flask a very costly oil of spikenard then she broke the flask and poured it on his head 
This is referring to Jesus. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant, fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She, she has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And I would just like to pause right here and just, if we could all lift our hands and just pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, God, for the opportunity to stand before your people, Lord. I pray, God, that your anointing power and authority would flow through this house, God. Your people are here, Lord. We have needs, oh God. But, but God, you have shown up, Lord, and I know that every need will be met in this place this morning, God. Those that need a touch in their body, Lord. God, you are the great physician, oh Lord. Those that have circumstances that seem that cannot be reached, oh God. Oh God, you do the miraculous and we come believing and expecting that great things are going to come to pass, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, you may be seated. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So my title uh, for this message is, You've Got to Break It to Make It the Scent of Brokenness. So I think a lot of us, kind of that kind of sounds familiar, you've got to break it to make it. But the actual term is, you have to fake it to make it. That's what the world wants us to do. And we go through a period where we put on this facade and it gets to a place where, where you can do it for only so long. And I, and I come to take that phrase and, and to turn it around that you actually have to break it to make it. So to go back and give a little bit of context of what I just read. So Jesus is in, in Bethany, which is a, a city, and he's visiting and having dinner with Martha, her brother Lazarus, who he has raised from the dead. And her sister Mary, which is the woman with the alabaster box. And so Martha was preparing the dinner while Lazarus is seated at the table with Jesus and his disciples. So where was Mary? Mary and, and what is Mary doing? Mary was not helping Martha prepare dinner. But she went to get her alabaster box. And what was this alabaster box? It was a jar that contained oils or perfumes. The cost of the alabaster box was a year's worth of wages and not something that was easy to come by. It was everything that Mary had in the palm of her hands. And she takes this and she begins to walk towards the feet of Jesus. Mary did not just randomly choose to take this box and to anoint the feet of Jesus, but she had a relationship with him prior to this moment. She sat at his feet many times, as a teacher and as a friend. So this was a place that was familiar to Mary. And so she's, it's, it's leading up to this moment, she wasn't ready to give Jesus her everything. She sat at his feet many times, but she just wasn't ready. She just needed to, to hear his words. And we go through, through, through moments in life where you know, we're all here and, and there's a time, there's a perfect timing and a perfect will of God when we're able to just give Jesus our all. So, it, you know, she, she's at the feet of Jesus and, and she's been there before and she's experienced great loss. 
Jesus came to her prior to this dinner to comfort her because of her brother Lazarus passing away, which not only did he come to comfort her, but Jesus actually brings Lazarus back to life. And so her relationship with Jesus, it was, it was deeper than, than what people made this moment to be. How many times has Jesus showed up teaching and loving and working in our lives and he just he doesn't request nothing of us? It wasn't she didn't bring the alabaster box because Jesus asked her to asked her to do that. She did that out of the abundance of her heart. And at this point, she she brought everything that she had. That's all that she had. It was a year's worth of wages. And there was no going back at this moment. And in the midst of that, she's questioned by the people that sat at the table, the people that were a part of Jesus group, the 12 disciples. They they didn't understand why would you waste all of this money, this 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 thing that could be used for the poor. But she didn't make it about herself. She brought her brokenness and all that she had, and she gave it to Jesus. There's going to be times when we're living at the feet of Jesus that people, they just don't understand the price you paid to get where you're at. But that's when Jesus steps in and replies on your behalf. So I'll be reading out of Luke chapter 7, verse 44 through 50. It says, Then he turned to the woman, which is Mary, and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman had anointed my feet with the fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? So the same people that knew who Jesus was, they didn't, they didn't actually know him. They, they knew of him, but they did not know him like Mary did. And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Because of Mary's worship, to Jesus and giving her all, God took her brokenness and everything she had and gave her and gave her back restoration and leaving her full spiritually. Her sins outweighed what she gave, but all of that shame and sin she carried was forgiven. She knew that giving her all to him outweighed keeping it for herself. In verse 47, it says, therefore, I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. When we love Jesus with our everything, there are promises attached to that love for him. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, But as it is written, eyes has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for those who loved him. So out of her love for Jesus, not only did she get to have that time of worship, but God met her needs and she walked away with something that could not be bought. Her sins were forgiven. In Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Because of her love for God, everything worked out for her good, and the same promise is for you. So I reflect on this story and, and I look back in my, in my own life and, you know, I think everyone's going to have that moment where you have that Mary bringing the alabaster box and coming to Jesus' feet. And when, before I came to Urshan, I, 
lived a life where I was in church and I, I sat at the feet of Jesus, but I didn't give him my all. I, I, I went through a period where, where I just, I had some things and, and, and some things that I valued more than, than my relationship with him. But it took a place of, of taking all that I have and, and just giving it. And, and, and when, when Mary took the alabaster box, it says that she, she, she broke it to the point where it couldn't, she couldn't just pour out a little bit. All of it had to be given to him. So I, I, I got to a place where I was at, at an altar. And when I was at this altar, it, my life, it had a lot of chaos. It had a lot of, 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 of failures that, that I had experienced. And leading up to this moment, I told God, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give you my everything. I, I, I trust in you. And in this moment, the Lord, he, he spoke to me and he, he reassured me and, and he washed away, you know, all that sin and shame and all that weight that I carried. You know, sometimes what, what, what we possess, it, there's a lot of weight that comes to it. And so as I, as I come to a close, if we can all just begin to stand and raise our hands, it says in Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. The world wants us, to f- wants us to fake it to make it. But there's only so many times that we can keep going to where it will not satisfy us. I challenge you to break it to make it. To take all that you have and give it to Jesus. Your brokenness gets the attention of Jesus. And you will leave forgiven and richer than you came. Hallelujah. It's good to be at Cross Church on a Sunday morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. I told Anthony, or Anthony or Pastor Blackburn, one of the two, I'm from, I'm from Dallas, Texas, and so I'm feeling very much at home right now with a multicultural church, which is what heaven's going to be like. Amen? Amen? Amen. So I'm glad to be here with each and every one of you, and I give honor to Pastor Blackburn. Thank you for the opportunity for us to come out here. The last UMA that I was on, maybe about two months ago, we were um, around, we were out gallivanting around and decided to play tag. Well, me forgetting that there was this ditch that they had warned us about, ran trying to tag somebody, and busted my chin right in the ditch. Now, thankfully, it's about healed by this time, but, you know, Scripture does say, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. So I got up and I still tagged the person, so I'm thankful to be here, scar healed, and, and glad to be with each and every one of you at Cross Church today. Now, if you have your Bibles, I would turn your attention to Matthew chapter 25, a parable that Jesus spoke recorded in this gospel, beginning at verses 1 through verse 13. And it says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins, who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Verse 2 says, Now five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Now those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. 
And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and for you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. And verse 10 says, After the other, Afterward the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man cometh. If you would bow your heads, I want to pray real quickly before we move forward. God, I thank you for this day, for this service that we have the opportunity to come together to be in communion and, and in covenant with you, to go deeper in our relationship with you. Thank you for the sweet spirit that we have felt thus far and for your anointed word. I ask that you would touch and that our hearts be open and our minds receptive to what you'd have to speak to us today. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in your precious and mighty name, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Today I would like to preach to you just for a short moment. It's time to get some oil. Time to get some oil. Now, lamp oil is something that we can recognize. It's not very flammable. In fact, uh, lamp, lamp oil, it cannot be lit without a wick. I did some research on this to kind of understand how this works, and some sources told me that an oil lamp, that the wick, it absorbs the, the transport fuel uh, oil to the top of the burner for combustion. Without oil wicks that fit properly, the promise of light falls short. Another source says, in the days when light came from burning oil in lamps, a vessel at sea needed, to, needed crewmen to consistently and constantly care for the lamps. This care involved trimming the wick, which drew the oil from the storage reservoir so that the flame would be clean and bright. They had the lamps in this passage, in this parable of Matthew 25. They had the lamps, and the wick was there, but they had no oil. And I will communicate to us today that we need the oil. Now to clarify, we need to understand that the oil that I'm talking about today, your oil, that's your prayer life. That's the word of God. That's fasting. Now Jesus, he trimmed the wick. He brought it closer so that there could be combustion so that something could ignite, so that a flame could be made and something could shine bright. He made a way to be close to you, to have a relationship with us. And, but if we don't have any oil, that relationship cannot be ignited. We need the oil. We need prayer. We need fasting. We need God's word. And if we don't have that, there's an opportunity today to enter into a relationship with him. Matthew 25, 2 through 3 says, Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. And those who were foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them. They had the lamps. They were all put together and seemingly they were ready. 
But while everything seemed all right on the outside, they had the lamps and everything else was ready. The reality was that the lamps were not ready. They had no oil. And so I want to know on a Sunday morning at Crosspoint, while we may show up looking good, while we may seem like we have everything put together on the outside, do you have the oil on the inside? Is God's word inside of you? Is it internalized? Do you have a relationship outside of this building, outside of the walls of this church? Do you have a relationship, a time when you're at home with your children, with your family, that you dig deep and you consecrate some time to God? Do you have the oil on the inside? The oil is necessary for the lamp to shine bright. Your oil, your prayer life, your, the word of God, the fasting, it's necessary to have a relationship with God. The oil, it's necessary. Now we continue in this passage in Matthew 25 verses 4 through 6. It says, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And I would tell us today that we need to remember and have it in our hearts that Jesus is coming back. The time and the season, as Pastor Blackburn discussed earlier about the prophecies that are coming forth, and he talked about this in Sunday school, the things that are taking place, we need to understand and recognize that it's not time to sit back and get comfortable, but we need to make up in our minds that we need oil in our lives. We need our lamps to shine bright, and we need to make sure that we have a relationship with the King. Verses 7 through 9, Then all those virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps, the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps. They're going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and for you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. We need to get the oil for ourselves. We have to understand that we can't live on mom and dad's prayers for the rest of our lives. We can't just live on pastor's prayers they're awesome, and we appreciate these prayers, but we need to get it in our own lives. We need to get it for ourselves. We need to get at a place, find a closet, find a chair, find some place in your home or wherever you go, and walk the path with God. Get in a place of prayer. Talk to Him. Study the Word. Study Scripture. We need the oil in our lives. The lamps were trimmed. They had the lamps. The wick was there. But they had no oil. They had no oil. Matthew, continuing in the same passage, verses 10 through 11. They went to buy. They understood and they recognized that they were missing the oil. That they weren't going to get it from the wise. So the five foolish, they go and they attempt to buy the oil from those who sell. And the bridegroom came and those who were ready, went in with him to the wedding. The door was shut by the time they got back. They decided to get their own oil. They decided, perhaps, I need to get my life right with God. They decided, perhaps, I need to get in a place of prayer. I need to have a relationship with the king. I need to have the word of God in my life. I need to actively make decisions that make me Righteous in the sight of God. They decided to go get the oil. 
But by the time they returned, they were too late. Those who had their own oil, they were prepared. They had spent the time. They had taken the time. They consecrated their lives to God. They had a relationship with the bridegroom. And they went to the wedding. And this passage communicates a relationship with the king, with Jesus, that whenever he returns, are you going to be ready? Do you have the oil? They returned. And the sad thing is, when they returned, they said, Lord, Lord. But Jesus, he will turn and say to you, if you don't have the oil, assuredly I say to you, I don't know you. Jesus trimmed the wick. He made a way to be close to us, to have a relationship with us. But we need to have the oil. As I come to a close today, we could all stand. Matthew chapter 25, verses 10 through 13. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch. For you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Today, God has an open door for you. The door was shut in this parable. And they couldn't enter in. Their time was up. And some of us in this room today, we've had doors shut on us in different situations and in life, in different circumstances. But today, on a Sunday morning, God has a door open for you. He provided a way for us to get the oil. He provided a way for us to come to a life, come to a place of consecration, a place where we can kneel down, a place where we can find a place and pray and lift our voices and lift our hands to God and say, God, I need you. I need the oil in my life. I can't make it on my my pastor's prayers. I can't make it on my mom and dad's prayers. But I have to decide for myself. I need the oil. I need God's word. I need prayer. I need a relationship with Jesus. He opened the door and the door is open today for you. And he gave us clear direction in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Whether you have a relationship or whether you don't. Then Peter said to them, Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today the door is open for you. If you've never been baptized, today is your day. If you've never been filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, today is that day. Today there's an opportunity to receive the oil, to step out by faith. And grab a hold of the call of God on your life. To grab a hold of a relationship with the King. So today with hands lifted, 
I wonder if we can just open our hearts and our minds. Say, God, we need you in our lives today. I'm not taking another step. I'm not going past this moment without making up my mind that I need the oil in my life today. I need prayer. I need fasting. I need his word. Why don't you lift your hands right now? Why don't you have a relationship with the king? Lord, I say, would you lift your hearts, your voices right now as they begin to lead us in worship to the king today. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we want you, Jesus. Jesus.